1: Good morning welcome to, uh, well, it's the Tuesday edition of The Real Investment Show. I hope you had a nice uh, holiday yesterday for President's Day if you did take the day off. And of course, uh, lots of stuff happening over the weekend. Can't think of anything really important, but I'm sure some stuff happened in the news over the weekend. You might have picked up on the little Russian invasion thing that was going on. Um, all seriousness, though, this is kind of escalating very quickly um, over over the last day or so. Uh, Vladimir Putin has now recognized the two separatist nations of, or two separatist regions of Ukraine. And now this allows him to potentially put troops into those two sections. And this, this you, know, you know, is that next step towards this idea of invasion. Of course, now the White House, NATO, other regions, uh, Europe in particular, starting to ramp up sanctions putting more pressure on Russia. Of course, this is not translating well into the financial markets. And this morning, markets are going to open lower. Now, here's the good news about this. I, you know, I should say, I don't know if you can call it great news. <laughs> the good news is that markets are still holding up here fairly well. Now, we've been under a good bit of pressure. And the financial markets are starting to kind of see through this. The Dow was down about 500 points last night on futures as soon as this really kind of announcement came out about the recognition by Russia of these two separatist regions. Now, these two regions in particular... They're loyal to Russia anyway, and and the conflict for a long time has been between these separatist regions that are loyal to Russia versus the Ukrainians, which don't want to be part of Russia, right? So this there, there was even conflict in the Ukraine uh, even before this kind of came to a head. Now, again, though, last night, uh, futures were down sharply. They were down like 500, 600 points at one point. Um, this morning uh, now, futures have repaired a, a good bit. We're going to be down about 100 points at the open on the Dow if things stay right where they are right now. Um, again, we're we're about an hour and a half now from the markets opening. So, uh, sorry, it's a six o'clock, two and a half hours before <laughs> the market opens. So there's lots of time for things to change here. But the important thing is, is that we're seeing the seeing these futures begin to heal up. And that's good news because the markets are beginning to kind of start to see through this kind of issue there will be a resolution with russia at some point look there's and we've actually noted this in our commentary this morning on our website so if you go to realinvestmentadvice.com click on the daily commentary link um what we've discussed there is that russia you know vladimir putin needs to save face this this situation is not good for russia putting more Uh, sanctions on Russia, on Ukraine. Of course, this is what Joe Biden did last night, Uh, basically restricted uh, any type of trade with these two separatist regions in the Ukraine, which I thought was interesting. He placed sanctions on these two separatist regions of the Ukraine, but not on Russia yet. So, uh, again, kind of interesting here. But for Russia, more sanctions are going to be economically destructive. Now, for a dictator... It's important to maintain control of your country. And if you have a lot of economic weakness, that undermines your ability to rule with an iron fist, basically being a dictator. Now, remember that, that Russia is mostly controlled by the oligarchs, which have a tremendous amount of money outside of Russia. So really, it's the people that get hurt the most. And that's not great for a dictator. The other side of this, of course, is that he needs to save face. And in order to withdraw from the Ukraine, he needs to be able to claim a win. We discussed about this with Kim Jong-un when Donald Trump was negotiating with Kim Jong-un over the, the North Korean missile test. And and every few years, North Korea comes up, starts shooting off nuclear missiles, and they start rambling and, and rumbling. And what they're wanting is some type of concession, some removal of a sanction, some easing of, of restrictions on North Korea, and so we have tended to give in to them, and we remove or or reduce some sanctions, and they calm down for a bit. And then a few years later, they come back and do it again. It's very much the same thing for uh, Vladimir Putin here. In order for him to withdraw from the Ukraine, he can't just leave now at this point and just say, well, never mind, I was just joking. He needs to be able to save face. So part of the negotiation that needs to come up here, and again, we talked about this last week, what he really wants is, for, is to ensure that the Ukraine never becomes part of NATO because that would put NATO forces right on his border and he doesn't want that. But in order for him to withdraw and save face, and uh, again, important for a dictator, he needs to have some concession to back away with. So over the next few days, and I, I think the market's starting to figure this out, over the next few days, next week or so, likely to start to see some more communications um, and, and more talk about allowing him to withdraw peacefully from the Ukraine, these separatist regions, give him a little bit of whatever he needs to back off and save face, and, and this will get resolved. Again, lots of concern here, at least in recent headlines about you know, war breaking out and you know, major geopolitical conflict, how bad it could be. That's not good for Russia russia really doesn't want that that is not a good position for him to be in again as a dictator you control through fear and power and that is not a good position for him when you start really causing a lot of economic destruction in russia that is not good for him to remain in power so this is going to be this is going to work itself out markets will respond to that positively and again as the markets begin to kind of see through this we should start to see some recovery At this point, now here's another side of this. The Federal Reserve is trying to tighten monetary policy starting in March. One of the things that they are concerned about, of course, is not only inflation, but also economic strength. This is is what is happening in markets is weighing on consumer confidence. We're starting to see yield curves invert on both the 5 and 2 year, 5 and 1 year uh, inversion as well as the 10 year 2 year inversion that is already telling you that the economy is slowing down more than expected. Geopolitical risk does not play well with consumers. If consumers are concerned about what's happening overseas, they tend to become less spendy. <laughs> So, um, you know, they they start to kind of uh, be concerned about their position. You know, what does this mean? And again, consumer confidence, big driver for the economy. So now with the Fed trying to hike rates and this geopolitical risk rising, one of the things that they're going to start looking at is, do we hike rates here in the midst of geopolitical risk? This is going to start to take some of the pressure off the Fed to hike rates by 50 basis points in March. That may even push them to the point, depending on how long this goes. We may even see a delay now of them hiking rates in March. However, what this is going to work out, again, this is putting the Fed in a bad position. I'm going to write about this for Friday's uh, article. We'll have it on the website on Friday. But this is starting to put the Fed in a, in, a, in a worse position in terms of trying to tighten monetary policy. It's giving them fewer options in how to navigate the geopolitical risk versus the inflation risk versus the consumer economic risk in the in the economy. It's really the worst place right now that the Fed could be in in terms of geopolitical risk. So again, markets here, though, very quickly, markets are going to retest and are in the process of retesting these January lows. As we noted in this morning's Daily Market Commentary, that is really kind of the line the, the line in the sand for the markets. If we violate these lows that go back to October, there is certainly downside risk here. Now, we're going to talk some more about this this morning. So stick around. Lots of stuff to come up. Talk about the markets. Talk about more what's happening geopolitically. What does that mean? And, of course, now with the Fed on deck, this is all kind of coming to a head. We'll be right back with more of The Real Investment Show. Don't go away.
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet at
2: realinvestmentadvice.com. Your retirement is another year closer. Will your exit from the fast lane be a smooth one? RIA advisors can prepare you against the dangers and risks that could cause your retirement to skid in our next free Retirement Right Lane class, Saturday, February 26th, at the Embassy Suites Houston. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will bust mainstream financial advice. Explain how you can make the most of Social Security and Medicare and how to lower taxes in retirement. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. The Real Investment Show.
1: back this morning. So look, lots of stuff going on at the moment, uh, you know, uh, surrounding this entire issue of what's Russia, Russia, Russia. We talked about this last week. Of course, now with Vladimir Putin making a more aggressive stance here in terms of recognizing these two separatist regions in Russia, this is really kind of ramping up the, the concern over a bigger geopolitical conflict. And this is, you know, again, lots of headlines here. CNN headline right now, Edge of War. We're there. CNN near Ukrainian border sees large amount of troop movements. Russia has 150,000 troops on the border. Look, this is all very unnerving. And, of course, this is all very concerning. And, you know, we're seeing... You know, defensive sectors of the markets beginning to respond accordingly. Gold has been spiking for the, you know, on Friday and and again today. We'll see that go up. Oil prices, you know, rising in terms of tensions as well. Markets declining. And again, last night, futures were sharply lower. Now, interestingly enough, this morning, we're seeing futures actually doing much better. Dow is only down 22 points now. Again, we, and again, as, as we get closer to the end of the show, we may be green here in a few minutes. And now you're kind of scratching your head going, well, wait a second. If we're about to have geopolitical warfare, why is the market turning green? And again, this is kind of actually gold is down this morning, uh, just to kind of put a, a finer lens on it. And what the market's doing is starting to see through this a bit. Now, again, markets are really good about looking forward. What does this mean? And as I said, Russia doesn't want warfare. That's that's the last thing they want. Again, for a dictator, you know, his sole goal is to remain in power and, you know, destroying your economy over two regions of the Ukraine, um, is a tough way to stay in power. So this is, you know, what he needs, and again, as we said, what he needs is a way out. He He needs the ability to save face, to withdraw, and to claim some small victory, whatever it is. Look, Ukraine was never going to really be part of NATO. So just make that concession, right? Make the concession, look, we agree Ukraine will never be a NATO member. And that gives him the ability to withdraw and it doesn't change the dynamics of anything. But again, we'll see how this works out, uh, you know, as I said, you know, the US is ramping up sanctions, Europe is ramping ramping up sanctions. One of the big issues for Germany as well as some of the other countries in the euro, is access to cheap energy. This transition to green forms of energy has not worked out well. And as people up north are starting to figure out, electric vehicles and cold weather don't work, work well together. And so there's a lot of disgruntled individuals that bought electric cars going, hey, let's be green, and they don't work in cold weather. Batteries don't retain charges in sub-zero weather like in Montana. I doubt you I actually in all seriousness, you probably don't find many electric vehicles in Montana. Um But the 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 point is is that you know this idea of being green is great until it doesn't work well and Germany already has problems with supplying enough electricity for their grid. And, of course, getting shut off of natural gas and other sources of energy is not good that they get from Russia. So, again, higher, higher oil cost around the world is starting to impact consumers. Um, here we are. We're getting ready to head just the next couple of months. Hard to believe, right? We're wrapping up February now. March is spring break. And then you got April, May, you're into summer. And gas is $4 a gallon on, for regular in some parts of the country. People are moving to Texas not for freedom, but for cheap gas.
2: <laughs> the freedom's just a bonus.
1: The freedom's a bonus. <laughs> and the friendship. Yes. <laughs> so th- this is all, uh, again, though, uh, my my important point here, though, is that the the market is trying to see through this. Now, the market has already been under a lot of pressure. I, so I've got a chart. um in our morning commentaries, so if you go by our website, realinvestmentadvice.com, we talk a little bit about the Russia, 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 Russia issue, and the next thing right around the corner here between Russia, Russia, Russia is monetary policy, and we've got the March meeting coming up just in a couple of weeks, and this is supposed to be the meeting where the Fed is supposed to start hiking rates to combat these high levels of inflation, and now you've got oil prices going up because of geopolitical risk, causing more inflationary pressures, and the Fed's in a really tough spot. But importantly, we've got a very clearly defined downtrend in the markets currently from the recent peaks in January. It's hard to believe it's just been, you know, six weeks or so. But the markets have been under a good bit of pressure, and we're retesting very important, as I said in the last segment, we're retesting very important lows, the lows of January, which are also the lows that we had back in October. A break of those lows suggests that we are going to see a much bigger decline if that happens. So if you break that very important low, you're going to see a much bigger decline. Now, does that mean you should panic and make major moves? And again, I'm getting a lot of emails. I got an email from a gentleman over the weekend. like, I want to be 100% in gold. That's great until it doesn't work. And then you wind up doing more damage to your portfolio than you do by having a diversified portfolio that gets impacted by some, de- by some of the decline. Everybody's been poo-pooing bonds here lately. It's like, I don't want to own bonds because interest rates are going up. Uh, well, bonds have been winning big <laughs> over the last few days because of what's happening in Russia. So, again, as, as we've talked about last week or so, it's important that as you start to look at your money and how you're positioning yourself is, is not to make big one-sided bets because you think you know how things are going to work out between Russia and the Ukraine. Again, last night, you would have been dead on right if you had been short the markets and very negative because markets were down five, 600 points when the announcement first came across this morning. Now, again, markets are almost flat this morning, at least so far. Again, we're, we're still about two hours out from the market actually opening, so you know things can still worsen. But markets are only down 20, 30, 40 points right now after being down 500 last night. So, you know, trying to to predict, and my point here is trying to predict markets is always much more difficult than many think. And the markets can do things that you don't expect them to do, which can lead you to being on the wrong side of the trade if you try to make a one-sided bet. And, And importantly, look, you know, again, we can allow the markets to tell us what it wants to do. Markets have already been pricing in. You know, what happened last night is something the markets have been pricing in for the last week. Markets have been declining for over a week over Russia headlines. We were talking about Russia, Russia, Russia last Monday. So markets have already been under pressure. Markets have already been pricing in that geopolitical risk. Stuff has already been selling off because of that. So now that it's happened, markets are going, okay, great. So now Russia's done their thing. What, what, what's going to happen next? Well, what's going to happen next is we're going, to see some, we're going to see sanctions put under Russia. We know that's coming. And then we'll see a resolution one way or the other. Now, it may be a good resolution or a bad resolution. We don't know, but there's going to be a resolution and probably in fairly short order. A resolution on the positive side, which is basically Russia withdraws, things calm down, markets are going to rally based on that news. If, if the Fed backs off of monetary policy because of geopolitical risk, which they have noted previously, mind you, in Fed minutes when we were having geopolitical risk previously – if they back off their fed policy that also could lead to a market rally because the markets are so oversold now. We've had this persistent selling ever since the beginning of January, very negative sentiment. Lots of cash sitting, you know, on mutual fund managers balance sheets right now because they've been selling into this rally. So they're holding cash. So there's a there is some fuel. There is some decent fuel here for a rally. Does that, does that mean that we're about to enter into the next phase of the great bull market? No. What that does mean, though, is that we could see a three, four, five percent rally in the markets, get us back to where we were just a couple of weeks ago. Still being a downtrend, still being a very weak market, but you do, you want to be able to participate in that rally and then rebalance your risk based on where we are at that time, whether we've solved the issue with Russia or not, use that rally to rebalance risk into and then begin to, to think about where we go to next. So this is this is you know just the navigation part of all of this. So if we come back from the break, we'll switch gears here a little bit, talk about the Fed put, because that's really what a lot of people are asking, you know, where is the Fed gonna step in and start to bail things out? That'll come up next. I'm your Science Roberts. So don't go away.
0: Investment advice Blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at
2: realinvestmentadvice.com. Your retirement is another year closer. Will your exit from the fast lane be a smooth one? RIA advisors can prepare you against the dangers and risks that could cause your retirement to skid in our next free Retirement Right Lane class, Saturday, February 26th at the Embassy Suites Houston. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will bust mainstream financial advice. Explain how you can make the most of social security and medicare and how to lower taxes in retirement register now at real investment real investment
0: you're listening to the real investment show
1: Start now. <laughs> it
2: always has to test us at least once or twice in morning. Just a morning.
1: couple of times. So, before I, I want to talk about you know where the Fed put is, and and this is our article that's out on our website today. But um, there's an interesting show on Netflix right now called Inventing Anna. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Brent? Yes. Yes. Did you watch all? Did you watch the entire part?
2: I haven't watched all of it yet.
1: Okay. Spoiler alert. It's very gonna... very quirky. Yeah. So the girl that plays Anna Delvey is also (laughs) the girl that plays Ruth in Ozark, which next to Beth in Yellowstone, Mm -hmm. she's like one of my favorite characters in Ozark.
2: I think Ruth needs to run for office.
1: Uh, Definitely. So, uh, look, I'm just giving you a couple of things to watch, (laughs) right? you got to watch Yellowstone, and you have to watch Ozark. Uh, Ozark is is an interesting—it's with— jason bateman who is a financial advisor who winds up laundering money for the mob and what's interesting is is they portray portray him as this very astute smart whippy you know financial advisor that you know knows all the ins and outs about setting up offshore account that's not that's That's (laughs) not whoever whoever you know like Interviewed financial advisors. They just made that crap up. I mean, (laughs) you know, but uh, interesting. It's an interesting show. But anyway, uh, Ozark is
2: like breaking bad with pine trees.
1: Correct. Uh, So Julia Garner plays uh, Ruth in Ozark and segue now. She now plays Anna Delvey in this five, five, six part series on Netflix. And it's the story of, if you don't know, remember this back back in 2010, 11. Um, this girl um, goes into New York City, and she is convinced that she is meant to open this foundation for artists and other things, and she has this whole business plan put together, and she winds up working her way into the highest elite circles in New York and winds up almost, she almost... Bilk's Fortress into giving her $40 million for this foundation. And in the meantime, she's, uh, you know, flying in private jets and running up, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of hotel bills and gets, uh, you know, Fortress to actually advance her $200,000 on her loan. Um, you know, everybody wants to be in business with Anna Delvey. Because she has this uh, personality. And it's very interesting. It's an interesting movie. And the reason I bring it up is because (laughs) there's a – it's hitting headlines today, uh, actually, and it was on Fox News just a few minutes ago. She received $320,000 for her consultancy for the Netflix series. Now, she was released from prison, so – uh, you know kind of spoiler alert she you know obviously her scam fails she doesn't wind up getting the forty million dollars and she gets arrested and winds up getting convicted on eight of ten charges that she is charged with from grand larceny to a, a variety of misdemeanors and she winds up getting sentenced to jail She got released in February of 2021. Immediately, she gets rearrested for overstaying her visa because she is from Germany. Her parents live in Germany. She's now fighting extradition at this point, um, or I shouldn't say extradition, deportation, the correct word. She's fighting deportation at this point. But she's back in the limelight which is all she ever really wanted she she just wanted to be famous that's really what she wanted but if it's an interesting introspective and you know as as you start to to go through this story of of anna delvey she commits you know crime after crime after crime she you know she forges fake documents and all kinds of stuff but the interesting thing is that, that you wind up coming to the end of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin this one little part for Brent, but he may have already figured this part out. She really believed in what she was doing. She had a dream, and she really believed that if she could, it doesn't matter how you get to that dream. She believed that she was this very astute businesswoman. She was very smart. She had a photographic memory, whole nine yards. Very smart. Spoke seven languages. So... But she had such a strong belief. She's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit this crime. I know I'm committing a crime here. But as soon as I get my money, I'll pay everybody off, right? And it'll all be good. If I can just get to the pot of gold, everything else is going to be fine. And it's a very interesting perspective because it's the same thing that if there's another really good docu- docuseries on Netflix about uh, Elizabeth Holmes. Have you watched that one? Haven't
2: caught that one Okay, yet.
1: that one's good. Yeah. But it's about Elizabeth Holmes with Theranos. She honestly believed that if she could just, and, and she, committed, <laughs> she committed a lot of fraud, but she was committing fraud in the belief that if I could just get to the solution, right, I can make the world a better place. And that was even Anna Delvey's view is that if she could create this, this place— for artists and everything else, she was going to make the world a better place. Same thing with Elizabeth Holmes. It, even Martin Scarelli. Uh, if you look at a lot of these guys that, uh, and, and women that created these very big frauds, they all had a very interesting end to this, is that they actually believed they could make the world a better place. I know I'm committing a crime, but if I could just get to the end goal then nobody will know about the crime because everybody will be happy, right? And and it's an interesting perspective because it just goes to show, and even with the elites, right? So this is the interesting thing about Anna Delvey. Everybody wanted to be in business with Anna Delvey because they believed that she could make them richer, And that's really the interesting twist to all of this is that everybody wanted to be working with Anna Delvey because it was about greed. Everybody kept putting up more money. Everybody kept doing these things. Everybody kept extending their help and support because they wanted to be in business with Anna Delvey. And it's just an interesting perspective about we see and we see this a lot in the in, investment business, right? People get into all kinds of, you know, private equity investments. It's like, oh, I'm going you know, to do this, you know, private equity investment. And that's a lot of risk that you take on doing private equity. And, you know, there, you know of course, in private equity, your promise, you know, the, the promise is if I do private equity, I'm going to make a lot of money, right? I can make a tremendous amount of money if I can do private equity. It's interesting because if you actually go back and look at private equity investing. And this has been you know, something that people have been trying to figure out for a while is how to make private equity investing available to the general public. Right? The problem with private equity, it's illiquid, and things go wrong almost as often as they go right. But they lure you in with this idea that you're going to make all this money. But when things go wrong, the first thing people do is start suing everybody because they lost money, even though they knew the risk going in. But it's about greed. I wanted to take that risk, but I don't like the outcome, so now I'm going to sue to try to get my money back, even though I knew the risk going into this. But if you actually look at the returns of private equity versus just investing in the S&P, over the last 15 years or so private equities returned about 15% annualized the S&P's returned about 14% annualized with a lot less risk but people chase private equity for a 1% advantage they take on a lot of additional risk for a 1% differential in return great so uh, so when you start looking at the you know the case fan did Anna Delvey do a lot of wrong stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Did she deserve to be in jail? Absolutely. But it's interesting. It's an interesting socio socioeconomic perspective, from the fact that it's really about greed—not just Anna's greed, but everybody's greed. But then, in the end, everybody wanted their money back. Have you gotten to the? Never mind. I will no. I'll ask you that later. So go ahead. No, no, I'll ask you later. Because because anybody that hasn't seen it, may go see it. They'll also run one part it'll, of the movie. It'll peak so. their
2: interest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the trial is the best part. Ah, I'll just I'll just yeah, leave you okay. that. All right. Anyway, uh, the Fed put. Uh, sorry, I just just digressed. I apologize this morning, but I just got through watching that series, and and I've had lots of conversations with my wife about it because we were watching it together. We we like docu series, and that's kind of our thing. Um, but this morning, like I said on Fox News, uh, just coming out that she got paid $320,000. What'd she do with the money? Restitution. She paid $192,000 in restitution. The, went, the rest went to legal fees. <laughs> so, because she never paid her lawyer. <laughs> All right, the Fed put. See, I, I'd see. I promised you, the Fed put. Where is it? What is it? We'll talk about that when we come back from the break. Don't go away.
0: news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: Your retirement is another year closer. Will your exit from the fast lane be a smooth one? RIA advisors can prepare you against the dangers and risks that could cause your retirement to skid in our next free Retirement Right Lane class, Saturday, February 26th at the Embassy Suites Houston. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will bust mainstream financial advice. Explain how you can make the most of Social Security and Medicare and And how to lower taxes in retirement. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show. The Fed put. What and where is it? That's, That's the article that's on our website today. And... It's an important concept because this is something that has really been driving markets over the last decade or so. And it's interesting that, you know, we've talked about Wall Street Bets, which is that Reddit group of retail traders. And they're the ones chasing GameStop and AMC and everything else. And used to every day it was memes about, you know, some stock going to the moon. Now it's memes of, you know, the most painful things you know, of my life, which was, it shows a lady, uh, it says pregnancy, um, some guy getting kicked in the groin and following advice on Reddit, right? So, and just stock charts going down. And, you know, this is really kind of the evolution of what we eventually knew would happen, is that markets would correct things, you know, things that were fun based on tons of liquidity have now reversed. And, and it's interesting, that's what the Fed put is. The, the, the question is, in a market decline, Where is the Fed going to step in to support financial markets? And there's a good reason for that. You know, going all the way back to 2008, where the Fed first took interventions into markets through uh, a variety of QE programs. Ever since then, since 2008, every time the market has declined by 10, 15, 20%, the Fed has acted. They've either started a QE program or did quantitative easing uh, or op- what they call operation twist. In 2015, 2016, as the Fed was trying to taper their balance sheet and, and stop QE, that was when we got into Brexit and Janet Yellen wrangled the ECB and the Bank of England into doing a European version of QE, which helped support financial markets. Then, of course, when the Fed was trying to hike rates in 2018, that caused the market to decline 20%. They immediately reversed course, started doing reverse repo. And then in 2020, all out QE again. So just, you know, it's just been a every time the market has come into any type of real volatility. The market, the the Federal Reserve has stepped in to bail out markets. And this is the, the Pavlov effect. Right. Uh, you know, um, we, we talk about the Pavlovian response, and this was where Pavlov taught dogs that he would ring a bell, he would feed them, and then eventually he'd just ring a bell and they'd start salivating because they thought food was coming. And this is what we've done to investors is that every time the market dips now, everybody goes, oh, the, the, the Fed's going to show up and start, start doing something, so I better be buying stocks. And as soon as the Fed does do something, everybody just runs right back into risk. But that's the Pavlov effect that's been created in the markets. So the question now is exactly where is that Fed put? At what point will the Fed start stepping back in? Now, it's interesting because a recent Bank of America survey suggests it's around 3,700 on the S&P. And if we just do some basic kind of Fibonacci retracements, we kind of find three levels. Right around 3800 is that first level of support. Now, that's a good bit lower than where we are now. It's about 500 points in the S&P. But that would be a 20% decline for the S&P. Now, historically, that's been about the point that the Fed has decided to step in. Why? Because below 20%, you're going to start triggering margin debt. And we currently have a very high level of margin debt in the market's leverage. The problem with leverage is that when it unwinds, it unwinds very quickly. So the Fed's biggest concern, of course, is financial stability. And if you begin to get margin calls, that forces selling in the markets as margin calls come in. People have to sell in order to cover their margin call. And that drives prices lower, so it can get out of hand very quickly. So the next level below that is around 3,700, about another 100 100 points lower. You you get into the second level of support. And that's where things are really going to start coming. So now we're down about 27% from the peak. Things are really going to start getting under pressure in terms of the financial system. Banks are going to be under pressure. Consumer confidence. The economy will be in a recession. So for the Fed, everything is going in the wrong directions. You definitely won't have a problem with inflation at this point. At about thirty percent down, the Fed's going to have a real problem. This is where you're going to have some type of credit-related event because companies are going to be defaulting on debt, and the Fed will have to be, will have to start stepping in to bail out banks, junk bonds, etc. So this is the Fed put. Where is it that the Fed will step in to start bailing out markets? And this is the problem because the Fed is currently at zero on interest rates. Markets are already declining. The Fed hasn't even hiked rates yet. So for the Fed, they've got to get interest rates up in order to have some ability to lower rates, which is their best tool for offsetting a recession. All QE does is help boost asset markets, which only really affects the top 10% of income earners that own 90% of the stock market. So their only real tool for bailing out the bottom 90% of the market and the economy is lowering interest rates back to zero. But if you're stuck at zero, you've got no policy tool at all. And that's the Fed's biggest problem. That's their biggest risk. Their biggest risk is they need to hike rates starting in March under the guise of combating inflation, which is going to take care of itself later this year anyway. But using that inflation to get interest rates off of zero so they have a policy tool available. We're already late stage economic growth cycle. The economy is already slowing down. As I said earlier, the five-year, one-year forward treasury rates are inverting. The 10-year, two-year is rapidly heading lower. So the problem is going to become over the course of the next six, seven months is the Fed trying to tighten monetary policy, which is going to slow the economy even more, put more pressure on earnings growth, reduce profit margins, trying to get themselves in a position to be able to offset the risk of the next recession when it comes. So it's a, it's a race. For the Fed, it's a race of, can I get in interest rates up before the recession hits? The problem for them, of course, is that if the market's declining sharply, as they're tightening monetary policy, they have a lot less room to work than they did before, which means they might be able to get interest rates up 1%, from zero to 1%, so four rate hikes maybe, before you get into a recession. Throw geopolitical risk on top of this, it all becomes problematic. So that's the Fed put. This is going to get difficult as the Fed tries to Wait, that's not the one I want. Hold on. As the, tri- as the Fed tries to get there, I took a look at margin debt. And, and there's something you need to understand about margin debt. Margin debt is not up to you. It's up to you to take out margin debt. So if you've got margin debt, if you've, if you've borrowed money on margin to trade stocks, that's on you. You did that. That's your choice. Nobody forced you to take on that leverage. And it's all fine until asset prices decline. And when asset prices decline enough and banks become worried that you won't be able to pay off your leverage, the loan that they gave you, they give you a call and they say, Brent, good morning. How are you today on this fine Tuesday morning? By the way, you owe me $100,000. I need either a deposit today or I need you to sell enough of your portfolio to cover that $100,000 line that we gave you. And we need it done by close of business today. You don't get 30 days. You don't get 60 days. There's not a grace period. It will be if you don't deposit $100,000 by the end of business today, we will liquidate $100,000 of your portfolio for you. It is not your choice on how margin debt is resolved. They will resolve it for you. And the reason I bring this up is because if you take a look at margin debt, As a percentage of disposable personal income. Now, I know if you're driving to work right now, don't worry about it. Go to the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on today's post, which is the Fed put, and you can see the chart. But if you're watching our live stream right now on YouTube, you can see the chart. We are at a record level of margin debt to disposable personal income. Now, what does that mean? Why is that important? Well, it's what I said people don't have a lot of disposable personal income. That's income sitting, you know, that's extra income you have outside of paying bills. That's right, you know, your savings, your investments, other stuff. Well, you took your investment account and you borrowed $50,000, $100,000, whatever it is. It's odds are that you don't have an extra 50 grand or 100 grand sitting around. And especially for, you know, younger millennials that have been, you know, day trading coming off of, (laughs) reddit they guaranteed they don't have a lot of extra cash which that what what that means is of course is that when the margin calls come the odds are that the majority of the settlement will not be through people depositing more cash it will be through the liquidation of stocks which will foster a bigger correction in the markets that's the thing you've got to watch out for. The Fed put. What is it? Where is it? It's on the website now. Simply go by realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the Insights tab. You get all of our blogs. Of course, our latest newsletter out this weekend, Why Buy Bonds? Right? We go through the whole analysis of why we've been buying bonds lately and why you should too. That's on the website. That's our newsletter, along with our latest interview with Adam Taggart's on the website as well. Tons of stuff there for you to keep you up to date on markets, your money, and more. Realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll be back here tomorrow morning with Danny Ratliff.
0: If I had a little money, it's a rich man's world.
2: It's a wish man's world.